0: It's episode twenty nine of Give That Fan a Podcast. I almost said Orioles Podcast Feud. I've been in that zone. This is our first normal episode since the conclusion of Orioles Podcast Feud. I'm Ryan Blake. That's my co-host Paul Valley. Welcome to Give That Fan a Podcast, Paul. This is our first normal episode since November. Yeah, you participated in the feud, but we've had a little break uh, since that concluded. I expected a little bit of a break. We were going to take a week or a week or two off. I didn't expect that break to be almost a month. Uh, yeah. my fiance's sister lives down in North Carolina. We had plans to go down as she was, uh, due to be induced for her second child on the 28th. She ended up calling us on, I think it was the 22nd saying, Hey, it might, uh, it might happen a little sooner than, than what we were expecting. And so we ended up going down there. We were there for a couple weeks and, uh, but we're finally back. But what have you been up to, Paul? How are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing all right. I finally, um, started this job with this mortgage company that i was supposed to start uh, about a year ago, and some some un, unforeseen things happened where they just couldn't get me in there until February. But now we're off and running. I just passed my licensing exam, so I just got to learn how to do the, how to do the actual nitty gritty of the job. And I'm excited about that. That's going really well. Kind of getting a normal lifestyle here As I working, re- unlike when I've been working in restaurants for the last 20 years. Um, so that's been going great. Been doing my show and uh, been been losing a lot of these Orioles trivia things. Whether it was the um, <laughs> Orioles podcast, Family Feud, or if it was Connor's uh, Twitter thing, but I lost to you um, in the Orioles Twitter uh, trivia thing, and I lost to you in the um, Orioles Twitter bracket thing. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The March Madness. So if I'm gonna lose to somebody, it might as well be the president of Orioles Twitter, right? <laughs> So I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 okay with it.
0: I have to say for, for Connor's thing, has he done that since the first episode? I, I, I don't, don't think know so. if I just haven't been paying attention or if, if I had missed it. Um, but yeah, it was like a little Sunday afternoon trivia kind of thing. And uh, we ended up getting matched up in the second round. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't even remember at this point what the question was. It was a
1: name catchers other than Adley Butsman. Right. And you, you won with like Paul Bako. Or something, something ridiculous. That I never would have remembered. I think it was like Nick Chufo or something. Well, no, no, I, I had gotten no, no. I had said Nick Chufo, and that wasn't correct because I remember you'd asked me that on on the show where you filled oh, in for that's Zach. Right. It was, it was something where like I guessed Brian Holiday, and that, that was also incorrect. And you get you came out of woodwork with a name that I didn't. Even
0: no, no, no. I I guessed Holiday because he because oh. he had he had appeared. He, he wasn't much of it. Like he was a catcher by trade, but appeared mostly as like a first base DH type. Mm-hmm. So he had only caught, I think two or three games, but it was a name that popped into my head or maybe it was, there was like a Francisco Pena.
1: I think that's who it was. Cause it definitely wasn't Brian holiday. Okay. It, beca- right. it definitely wasn't Brian holiday. Cause I think I said holiday and it was incorrect. I, I can't exactly remember either way. You named an obscure catcher that I never would have remembered. And it was correct, but it, it was, it was back and forth. We each named like nine and then you happened to get the last one.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a great matchup. Just came yeah. down to, to stamina in the end, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, the March madness thing, I mean, I, I think what, what, what I've learned from the last couple years of doing this is that I'm pretty much a shoe in for the final four, unless I go up against the entire nation of Brazil, uh, which they buried me into the ground last year. But um, yeah, so I, I've I've made it a little bit. I thought that changing my my handle from Orioles fan probs, which it has been for almost eleven years, to Orioles mm-hmm. fan Ryan would hurt me a little bit. But so far, so good. I think I'm in the sweet sixteen.
1: I think yeah. it's 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 cool that you did that. I think that may have even helped you because a lot of people that don't know you now they have a face to the name. You know what I yeah. mean? And I think that a lot of people actually kind of like appreciate that that they know who this person is. Yeah, you know? and it's
0: it's it's not either like. You know, I, I haven't really tried to keep my identity private. Like I know it's it's the account was an Oriole centric account and it wasn't about me, but I wasn't shy about like who I am. And I would have, you know, a handful of people recognize me once in a while down at the stadium or, or elsewhere. But um yeah, I just I kinda wanted it to be more personal. And honestly what what sparked it, because I've been thinking about this for a couple of years, but um Nick Vespi followed me for a while and we used to chat once in a while and he got to the majors and he unfollowed me. Oh. And it kind of got into my head, like, because there, there was nothing. Like, I never said anything bad about him. Like, we, I thought we were cool, and I, I was wondering if maybe it was like a, the team reached out to him. And was like, this, it's an account that's called Orioles Fan Problems. That's not exactly a positive light, even though I try to be positive most of the time. So I was like, you know what, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe players aren't supposed to be following me. I've got a few minor league guys, but um, I ended up changing it up just to kind of be a little more authentic. And yeah. I, I think I think it'll it'll work out in the long run for sure. Um but yes yeah,
1: so, were you one of the many people that Jose Bautista randomly followed on oh, Twitter?
0: He, yeah, he he I don't know if he still follows me, but uh Jose Bautista, Irvin Santana follows a bunch of random random people. Uh but yeah, Bautista was in there at one point. I don't know if he still is, but uh I, I think I'm blocked by more more guys than
1: than I follow <laughs> but, or than follow me. Um, Speaking of speaking of blocking people, man, I've been I've been blocking a lot more people because I'll get into it with some people on Twitter. And when I say get into it, I try to keep things civil, but people will just straight up attack you. They'll if you don't agree with them, they will just straight up attack you, tell you that your opinion is worthless, this and the other, and like just be straight up mean. And it's like I don't have like it's been happening a lot more recently, and I've just been usually I'm like I don't want to block anybody and alienate anybody. Now it's just like you know what. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you and let you crap all over me for no good reason. So block, 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 block.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy because for me, I I, I try not to block people and I don't have a bunch of people blocked. But mm-hmm. um, it, it's 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 almost like people view being blocked as some kind of trophy or victory like a badge over of you. honor. Like, yeah. Oh, this it, idiot I, like, couldn't take it.
1: They blocked me. He's like,
0: yeah. So I I like the mute feature because it has almost the same impact they don't mm-hmm. show up in my mentions they don't show up on my timeline and uh i just i don't know i think
1: that's that's an easy way to go about it i block people th- that i think are just toxic you yeah. know like if, if you're going to bring nothing but negativity into my life it's not that i can't handle you it's i don't want to deal with you like i don't i don't yeah. feel like ha- having that in my life right now so i get that
0: um yeah so i guess let's let's get back to uh, our notes a little bit um i'm joining pressbox uh which is the the company that you uh work for for the bat around yeah. uh i'm their new fantasy baseball writer which is uh, very exciting thank you for reaching out to me as as someone who you thought was worthy of that position I yeah appreciate man. that very much i've got two pieces up so far they came out last week undervalued hitters and undervalued pitchers as you enter your fantasy draft this season I have a couple more articles out this week and the following to prepare you for your draft and then uh uh lot of waiver wire stuff, do's and don'ts throughout the year. I'll be in the uh, April print edition. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's an exciting opportunity. And and hopefully I've never written about fantasy baseball before. I've played a lot of it. I've written a lot of baseball, never fantasy. So uh, it's a, it's a fun new adventure for me and uh, I'm excited about that. So make sure you're following is, are they press box online? The Twitter handle.
1: It's a press box online. Oh, at Pressbox Sports, I believe, is the Twitter handle. Pressbox Sports, and then okay, I could be wrong. And then it's at Pressbox. Is it's PressBoxOnline.com is the website. Gotcha. Yeah, well, you can you can
0: find my new uh, new articles there. Um, yeah, no, it, so it's at
1: Pressbox Online. That is that is the Twitter handle. It's at Pressbox. Cool.
0: Online. Well, you can follow them and and catch all the action with Paul's show and my articles and a bunch more. Um, I'm not going to do a whole Pressbox ad here, but. Uh, it's, it's exciting opportunity. So uh, we're, we're thrilled about that. Uh, before we dive into baseball talk, uh, just wanted to say rest in peace to Luis Andres Ortiz Soriano. Orioles fans know, know, know him as Luis Ortiz. He passed away Saturday after a battle with leukemia, which I, I'm not sure it was public knowledge that he was even fighting that. Uh, it may have been, but um, he was a 2019 international signing out of the Dominican Republic. Snuck into MLB pipelines, Orioles top 30 prospect list in 2020. Hadn't pitched in the organization since 2021 when he was in the Florida Complex League, just 20 years old, man. I mean, yeah. I, fuck cancer.
1: It, it, I don't know what it, uh, to say. it, like, it, and I felt like maybe it didn't get enough coverage today. Like, it was just like Brandon Hyde opened his press conference, sending condolences to the Ortiz family, and Brandon Hyde's still so happy with the way Husson Kirsten had swinging the bat. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like. A, when when they had the whole J2 thing, um the J219 thing, he was their big signing. He was like – they had a couple guys that got $400,000. He got $475,000. He was a lefty with a nice fastball, and they, they were talking about his stuff and how good he he could potentially be down the line. And then we hadn't heard much about him since then. And I was actually wondering not that long ago, whatever happened to him. And then you find out today that he passed away after the, after battling leukemia. And I got to tell you, man, it kind of it, it hit me hard because, like you said, he's 20 years old, you know, and I, I play in this indoor winter league and I was getting upset at a bad called strike on me. And I was getting upset when I was giving up a couple of hits when I was pitching and, like, and, and it's like, like, I was visibly upset with how, like, poorly I was playing at times, even though I had a good game today. And then I come home and I find this out and I'm like, How like this guy would would have been do would have done anything to be playing in the league that I was playing in today, rather than having to battle cancer and lose that battle. And it really kind of like gave me perspective. Like what I was doing doesn't matter. Like life is what matters. And like it it just it hit me. It hit me a lot harder than you would think. Like it was it was probably about an hour that I was just like really really sad. It's just so young and cancer is a bitch always. It's a bitch always. And especially when you're a 20 year old kid and your whole future is in front of you and it's just taken away from you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I don't really have much to add to that other than it's just a, a terrible situation. And we, we send our love to his family, friends, teammates, coaches, everybody who's impacted by his loss, Orioles fans everywhere. Um, but I, I get your point about It, it was kind of, It was announced and the Orioles sent out a statement and then it was, you know, Hyde acknowledged it, but it was kind of blown over in the grand scheme of things. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost frustrating because if this was a guy who was, you know, on the 40 man roster or on the active roster, it would have been the biggest story of the day Mm -hmm. uh, across all All platforms, Yeah, Yeah. all platforms, all sports. Um, But because he was a a 20 year old guy who hadn't pitched above FCL ball, it, it didn't really get the attention that. I think it deserves uh, because after all, you know, it's, it's a life, it's a life that was lost way too young. Yep. And uh, so condolences to everybody impacted by that. Uh, yep. There's no good way to segue out of that kind of discussion, but let's talk a little bit about the world baseball classic as we were going live, Paul, and I didn't get to edit the notes because it happened literally as I was hitting the go live button, Anthony Santander hit another home run for team Venezuela, nice. a three run shot in the bottom of the first, to give them a three to one lead, I think over Puerto Rico three run homer came off of Jose Barrios. The, uh, I, I got to watch a little clip of the video and it was was very exciting. Uh, it's the second home run of the tournament so far in as many games, he had a long bomb, a triple and a very important diving catch in right field in a big spot as Venezuela beat Dominican Republic five to one in their pool debut. It's a welcome sign for Tony after, uh, Small sample size, but 0 for 10 was his start with the Orioles in spring training uh, before he departed for Team Venezuela. Did walk five times, so had an on-base percentage of 375 in that small sample. But nice to see him finally get it going. And it's it's so cool seeing Orioles represent um, the team on the big stage. And I'll give you an opportunity to respond to that. But uh, also wanted to note, Dean Kramer, four scoreless innings for Team Israel on Sunday. They beat Nicaragua 3-1. to one. Uh, Great performance from him for 14 israel
1: yeah um look i i we're not going to get to see a ton of cedric mullins because he plays center field and so there's this guy named mike trout yeah um the roster as a whole is just
0: ridiculously stacked
1: right but get getting to see santander come up big and and it's like we love him here right because he's he's our guy and he was a rule five pick and he was here through the whole rebuilding he's come out on the other side and he had 33 home runs last year. And like, we, and he's, he's got this infectious personality. we just love him. Right. But now you're getting to see it on, on the international stage, like on national television, people are seeing this guy go out there and right now be the best player on that team. And I just think that that's just so cool because everybody gets to see Tony taters the way we see Tony taters on an everyday basis here. I love it. Dean Kramer went out and shoved today. Now, look, you can say all you want about the competition. I mean, how great is a team from Nicar- Nicaragua going to be? But he was able to go out there and do his job. Four innings, he gave up to one run. He, I think, he had four strikeouts. Four strikeouts. And four strikeouts, and it, he he just had a great performance. And it, it's a continuance from what he was doing in spring training. And Dean Kramer was the guy that I was – I, I kind of saw kind of a drop back from from both to this point. Yeah. Um, I kind of saw that coming. Uh, Dean Kramer was the guy that I was like, the the next guy who was like, he's got to prove that he can still do it. And through spring, his two or three spring training games, and now in the World Baseball Classic, he looks to me as good as ever. Yeah,
0: five innings, uh, trying to find my, yeah, five innings for Kramer in the spring, one run allowed, uh, I think one walk, three or four strikeouts. So uh, yeah, a, a great start to the spring for him. Exciting to see him do that on the big big stage, especially for a team like Israel that uh, isn't expected to make much of a splash. It's exciting to see them come out. Have you have you heard, seen any stories of this uh, Shlomo guy?
1: Shlomo, no, you got to have to
0: He's like a 44 year old pitcher. Cespedes so Barbecue has been sending tweets about it. Um, Shlomo Lovitz, I think his name is something like that. Uh, he Lipitz, Shlomo Lippitz. Uh, he's a 44 year old pitcher for Team Israel. He's the only Israeli born player on the team, mm-hmm. uh, and he throws like 75 with a, a like a 60 something mile an hour change up or curveball. But he's he, he's just dominant. He's so much fun to watch. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool to see Israel do that on the big stage. Maybe they can make a little bit of a splash. But they uh, they did win their first game today. You mentioned Mullins uh, did not appear in the USA 6-2 to victory last night over Great Britain. But in that game, we saw Orioles pitching prospect Ryan Long, who yeah. had a solid year last season for Delmarva. He was put into the game with runners on first and second and tasked with and one out. And he was tasked with Nolan Arenado and Kyle Schwarber. He got Arenado to pop out to third base, and then Schwarber took him deep to right center field for a three-run homer. Other than that, though, looks pretty solid for a guy who hasn't pitched above A-ball. He did strike out Mike Trout as mm-hmm. his, his final out of his outing. Um, so exciting to see him. Do you, do you think we might see him uh, if he continues to pitch well for Great Britain? I mean, I know they're not going to be around too much longer. They just got mercy ruled by Team Canada today. But mm. is Long a guy who you can see making his way onto prospect rankings if he, if he performs well in the World Baseball Classic? I mean, he's a reliever, right? It, it, it kind of split last year. He started kind of split, some relief, okay. some yeah.
1: I mean, striking out Mike Trout is nice. Um, Trout it, did it,
0: lead the league in strikeouts the year he won his first MVP. So yeah, he does strike out.
1: Yeah, uh, and and hitters like that tend to strike out that they they, they they can mash, but they'll also swing and miss a lot because you got to swing to mash, you know. But um, it, I don't know, man. I think I think it's too early to tell. It's a nice story that he's an Orioles prospect and he struck out Mike Trout on a really big stage. Um. He's gonna have to. Maybe if he gets up to Double A and starts doing that, and even then, I, he might make an Orioles top thirty. I don't expect him to make any kind of nationalist or anything yeah. like that. I if it's, I had never heard of him until last night. So, yeah, I saw the
0: blurb. It was pitched last season for Single A Delmarva
1: parentheses Orioles. I was like, oh, that's our guy. Cool. But you know what? We'll probably pay more attention to him now because we know who he is. And yeah. and the fact it, striking out Mike Trout. I know we just kind of minimized it, but it's still Mike Trout. You yep. know, and and he's a he's a guy who was pitching in A ball last year, and he and he's st- way at that, and he, and he was st-
0: he was good for Delmarva. He had, I think, a three twenty something ERA in like seventy five or so innings, mm-hmm. so a pretty pretty solid guy. So you know, maybe maybe we see him make more of an impact. But uh, yeah, cool to see him on the big stage
1: do something Can we like that. Talk about Great Britain's uniforms they for suck. a second. Oh my god, they're so it, it, bad. So when I, my first year playing in the Susquehanna semi-pro league back in 2006, it was semi-pro by name alone, you you pay to play in the league. So it's not like they're paying you. Um, We were the Hartford express. I still have the jerseys in my closet and they looked like somebody just went to like a FedEx store and like ironed them onto the jerseys. It was like, it was those uniforms last night. I'm looking at, I'm like, you're supposed to be a professional organization. And that's yeah. the uniform you came out with. It was like, I was embarrassed for them.
0: Yeah. It's, it's like a caps lock, aerial font, you know, word art kind of thing that they just slapped onto a gray jersey. And I said, I was, I was I was watching it with Megan earlier and, uh, it, you know, we were talking about how bad the, the uniforms are and it's just, it's just black text, thin black text on a gray jersey. And I, I said, more like gray Britain. It's kind of like a <laughs> ha ha stupid joke. And she goes because of the uniforms or because it's always raining over there. I was like, that's my fiance. Yeah. That's you two going. are,
1: you two are pretty perfect for each other.
0: That's we, we mesh that's well. It's, yeah. it's, it's good stuff. Uh, all right, Paul spring training storylines. Uh, there are three different position groups. I wanted to take a look at offense rotation and bullpen anywhere in particular you would like to start. Nah, man, whatever you want to do. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm here. I'm here for you, man.
0: <laughs> all right. let's uh. Let's start with, well, just because it's first on my notes. Start with the bullpen. A little bit banged up. Dylan Tate will start the season on the injured list with a forearm strain. There's a chance he's out until May. Forearm strains you never really know. Could be longer. He said he feels okay, but uh, we will see with Dylan Tate. Not going to start the season in the bullpen. Felix Bautista questionable for opening day. He's recovering from a knee injury that he suffered in September of last year. And a bit of shoulder fatigue. He did throw live BP last week. Brandon Hyde said on Saturday that he could appear in a game as soon as this upcoming Thursday, which mm-hmm. would be a great sign for his opening day availability. D.L. Hall is close to ready for game action, uh, but at this point, if he breaks camp with the club, it'll more than likely be in a bullpen role. Um, if they want to stretch him out, he'll likely start at AAA. Nick Vespi recovering from hernia surgery thinks he'll be ready for opening day, whether that would be in AAA or the majors. We don't really know. But with all those question marks, that means the other guys need to step up and two in particular have done the opposite of that. Joey Crable has been very bad. Eight earned runs in three and two-thirds innings, including four home runs. Hasn't allowed a run in his last two innings pitched. Those eight earned came in his first inning and two-thirds, but uh, not a welcome sign for a guy like Crable, who Paul had a very rough second half last year, and Mm -hmm. I think is a fringe roster guy at this point.
1: Yeah, heading into July last year, he was actually really good, and you could really trust him. I remember when he got hurt, um, I think late April, maybe early May last year, they really missed him. And then when he came back, he was, it was a coup for them. And he was, he was really good uh, until he wasn't, you know, and I, I used to be, Oh, you're bringing in Baker. He's your worst reliever. And then Baker starts getting really good. And then Crable starts getting really bad. It's like, Oh, you're bringing in Crable. He's your worst reliever. And that's just kind of what it was from the second half of July through the rest of the season, to the point where he got optioned to AAA. um, Look, there's, there's a couple of spots maybe available uh, you're looking at. I think Bautista, they expect him to be ready for opening day. I think he will be. Um, I think that you're going to have both and Wells in the bullpen. Wells, you can either use him in long relief or you can use him at the back end of the bullpen. Um, uh, Tate, that's that's a big loss, but Michael Gibbons, that signing becomes that much more important now. Um, and Brian Baker, he struggled a little bit this spring, but if he pitches like he ended last year, that's a a, a big-time pitcher for them. And then you got guys like you, uh, like you said, Vespi might be ready. Uh, Politi has looked really good, and they love his stuff. Brandon Hyde cannot say enough about his curveball. Um, Mike Ballman has served himself well last year in both long relief and as a starter. So the Orioles have a lot of good options for the bullpen, I don't know if Crable has it. will will be able to figure out still enough time for if they need him and he pitches well that he can be a factor. Um, but I just, I just, to me, he's got to be the odd man uh, out at at this point. And that that's kind of a good thing. And not because I I necessarily think Joey Crable sucks. I don't think he's that great. I think he got figured out. But it's also you have so much depth on this team now. That the guy like Joey Crable who, if this was last year and he had pitched the way he did the first half in 2021 as opposed to last year he would have he'd be a shoe in for your bullpen and now because it was 2022 they were good and now it's going into 2023 he's not man out good thing for the Orioles bad thing probably for uh, Joey Crable.
0: yeah and he, a few other names you mentioned there Brian Baker six earned runs this spring in three and two-thirds innings four walks to just three strikeouts but he was a guy like you said Paul at the end of last year he pitched well enough that I didn't think there was a question he's Mm -hmm. going to be a guy in the 2023 bullpen. And I still feel that way. Just needs to iron a couple things out. And the other, the other thing, and all these guys are going to mention with their performances in the spring, spring training is not necessarily about player performance. It's not about results. No, there's, there's something that, and that's something we're going to look at with a guy like Grayson Rodriguez, who got beat around today in the fourth inning. It was one bad inning this spring. It ballooned his ERA up to 587, but he's looked fantastic. So yeah. you, you don't want to look at these these ERA numbers, especially even batting average uh, as, oh, this guy's having a little rough go of it. He doesn't deserve to make a team. That's not always the case. Guys are working on different pitches. They're working on attacking hitters in a way that they might not be used to, that they're trying to you know change something going into the season. So we don't want to get too tied up on it, but it is worth mentioning as, as part of the storylines, uh, CNl Perez is going to be a, a solid bullpen option for us mm-hmm. again this year. Hopefully he's given up one run in four spring innings. Givens you mentioned has thrown two scoreless, uh, Politi started off real strong. He had, uh, five strikeouts in his first three innings, which were scoreless. And then his last outing gave up four runs in two thirds of an inning. Uh, not a great outing for him, but like you said, Brandon Hyde has been, uh, banging this guy's drum and, uh, We'll see if he does enough in the spring to stick around and not get sent back to Boston. And
1: then, go ahead. Um, I I was reading Rock's article about the bullpen and all that. And he said he thinks that, and I agree with him, that Politi has better than a 50-50 shot to make this team. I think they love his stuff. I think that they think he's a guy who can help them immediately. And that was their guy going into the Rule 5 draft, and they just happened to get him. I I think he's going to make the ball club especially
0: it with, with the injury to Dylan Tate. I think that improves his chances immensely. And then if D.L. Hall is going to start in the AAA rotation, that opens up another spot where the Orioles can afford to keep a guy like Politti and see what he can do. You mentioned a couple of fringe guys in – did you want to say something first?
1: Well, I was going to ask about D.L. Hall. Where do you fall with him? Because I, I, I they view him as a starter. I If you listen to my show at any point over the last six months, you know how much I'm in love with D.L. Hall. I think his stuff is elite and I think he he can be one of the best pitchers in the, and not just in the system, in the game. Um, And so I think he deserves every opportunity to start, but you also can make the argument you want your best arms on your major league roster. And he is clearly one of their best arms. Where do you fall with that? Do you start the season with him in the bullpen and still plan on making him a starter later? Or do you make him a starter? And then that's what he does. Like, you have to to Norfolk to have him start?
0: My answer to this is incredibly selfish. And that is, I will be at the Norfolk Tides first oh, yeah. game of the season in Durham. And I would love to see D.L. Hall on the mound and mm-hmm. just absolutely dominate the Rays' A team. Uh, with that being said, I, I do think Hall is a starting pitcher. I, I firmly believe that. I think it's far too early to give up on that idea of using DL Hall as a starter. And I think the Orioles are in a good position where they have enough guys that they don't need to force Hall into the rotation at this point. Mm -hmm. And if he's going to be continuing to be built up as the season begins, then absolutely keep him in the majors, put him in the bullpen, maybe piggyback him with someone like Grayson Rodriguez, who is going to be on a pitch count. uh, And, you know, just make sure he gets enough innings because Mm -hmm. he's a guy who is an absolutely electric arm. And whether he's starting this year for the Orioles or not, we gotta see what he what he what he can do. He was great in a small sample size last year, out of the bullpen granted, but I you know it's it's too early to give up on him as a starter.
1: And the the thing that you can do that nobody really talks about, and I don't know if they do it, but I'm sure that they can and they would. Um is even if you use him as a reliever to as you're building him up at the beginning of the year and say he's only coming in for an inning or two at a time, that doesn't mean that when he's done pitching, he can't go down in, in to the clubhouse in a pitching tunnel and yep. throw to a catcher to get those extra innings, like simulated stuff. Like yeah. I'm sure like he can one hundred percent do that. So they he do can do that be, in the spring all the time. Yeah, he can he can be on the major league roster and be used an inning here, two innings there, and still get his work in after he's done pitching. Uh, down in down in the tunnel. If you want to match up, or you just don't, you want to get him some extra pitches, but don't want to put him in for na- another full inning. Th- you can do that, and, and I think that if they want to, that's something that they will do. If they want him on the major league roster, still want to build him up.
0: Yeah, I think they will too. That's that's a, a good point you bring up. That it's a it's a way to um, stretch out his arm a little bit, get him some more pitches. Um, wouldn't be against live batters, but it's it's extra work and you know, it would hopefully build him up to a point where he would be capable of starting for the Orioles later in the season. Now the issue becomes if the rotation is holding their own and Mm -hmm. they stretch out DL hall and he's ready to start around the same time that John means is ready to start. I think hall stays in the bullpen at that point for the duration of the season. Mm -hmm. I hope that's not the case because like you and I have both said, I think hall's a starter and I think too much time in the bullpen could hurt his chances of sticking as a starter. Yeah, but the dude's good. He's well, and
1: that's so the thing. He's like we've said he's a dude, that dude's a dude, right? But that dude's a dude. The, the thing with that is how are you if if he's a starter and that's how you view him, you can't use him at the last half of the year simply as a reliever. You can't do it because how are you going to build up his innings? And then you're going to be right. facing the exact same problem next next year that you're facing this year. I think that if you see him as a starter, that's how you view him. And that's where you think he's most valuable, then you absolutely have to send him to Norfolk, make him a starter down there and keep him in that starting role. And Kyle Gibson's only here for this season. Cole Irvin's only here yeah. for this season. I believe next season. So you could have a situation where maybe those guys, ERAs are right around four. And you think, you know what John means to come back DL halls ready. We can trade them for a bat and maybe a reliever that we need. and slide these guys into the rotation. To me, it's a situation that there's a lot of fluidity there and a lot of opportunity to do a lot of different things.
0: I could be wrong here, but I think I saw when we got, when we traded for Cole Urban, that he has four more years of team control. Does he really? I thought he had a year and
1: a half. I
0: could be wrong. Because he's been in the league like like
1: three years. Maybe, maybe, you you know what? You usually are a a lot more well-versed on this stuff than I am. Well, it, this is this is based. I just I just searched Cole Irvin
0: contract on Twitter to see what people are saying. I could have googled it, I guess, but this is this is purely based
1: on. Oh no, he's. A free... I saw something. The day it was traded. He's not a free agent until twenty twenty seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So then, never, I I stand corrected with that. I thought that Cole Irvin, because he's been in the league for like three years. Yeah. I've, I I thought that. I mean, yeah, he's been, no, he's been in the league since twenty nineteen. So, I, I mean, he only got 19 appearances in 2019 and 2020, but he's had two full seasons as a starter. I didn't realize he wouldn't still be a free, He would be a free agent until 2027. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, uh, Kyle Gibson especially is a guy who I could see being flipped at the deadline if John Means is ready. They want to put Hall in the rotation. If they want to limit uh, Grayson Rodriguez's innings at a certain point, maybe you swap mm-hmm. him out for Hall, shut Grayson down for a, a month or two just to kind of keep his arm in check. Because you don't want an injury to happen to Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the Orioles have a lot of options, but with with Dio Hall, I just I just hope whatever they decide with him ends up being the right call. Mm-hmm. I'd love for that to be as a starter as soon as possible. That may not be realistic, but that dude's a dude, and hopefully we get to see him uh, pitch at a high level.
1: Well, and I, and I mentioned this on my show last week. I, I think what you risk with D.L. Hall, I think he w- not only wants to be a starter, he believes he can be an elite starter. And I think that what you risk there is even if you decide, you know what, you're a power arm out of the back end of our bullpen and that's how we view you, if you if it comes time where you've got to give him another contract, I don't think he's likely to still sign with you. He may go be still be a reliever someplace else, but he'll always look at the Orioles and say, you didn't give me a fair shot at being a starter. You just kept using me in a way that I didn't want to be used. And now I'm going to go do provide services elsewhere. You know, I I think you run that risk if you don't keep him as a starter. Yeah, I
0: I agree. Uh, On, on the same topic. uh, I want to bring in a listener question here. Uh, This was from uh, Eric from Florida prospect report. I assume it was Eric. I don't know for sure. Uh, Who is the next stud pitching prospect after Grayson and DL hall established themselves in the majors and why now, I take this question to mean, maybe not a Chase McDermott, Seth Johnson, Drew Rom, Cade Povich kind of pitcher who has a chance to be a solid middle of the rotation arm. I I took that question to mean who's going to be a top one hundred prospect in a couple years, um, and for me, I think the best chance of that is Carter Baumler mm-hmm. if he can stay healthy. Um, I think. He leans more toward top of the rotation than any of the other guys do. Um, I know, I know Eric's a big Povich guy, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with him, but I don't see Povich climbing up the ranks to the point of a Grayson or Dl Hall. I can see that with Baumler. I can see that with uh, a Gene Pinto. Uh, but do you have uh, do you have a guy in mind?
1: No, I think Gene Pinto was, was where I was going to go. I think that guy's got some really good stuff, and he's it, it, from what I've seen, he's only really had success since he's been here. Um, So Pinto, I love that you said Baumler because I've been a big fan of Baumler. I've never actually gotten to see him pitch, but just the makeup that the kid has from the things I've heard him say in interviews and the way that they talk about him. Uh, I think that if, if he's as good as they say he is, that's a guy who's always been on, who's always been on my radar. The, the thing here is that the Orioles, we know this. I mean, Dan Conley wrote a covered this pretty bare article about them a couple of years ago. There's not much else you're going to, you're probably going to have to make Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall your two best pitchers. And then if you want to if you want another ace, you're going to have to trade from somebody like um, Corbin Burns, you know, but Kate Povich, Carter Ballmer, Gene Pinto, if it's going to be Seth Johnson, um, those are the guys that I look at where if it's going to be somebody it's probably out of those four.
0: Yeah. I I think the Orioles have a lot of relatively safe pitching prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that you know, you've you got a, a lot of guys who have a, a solid, you know, they they have a pretty good floor, but their ceiling is probably a, a number three or four starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of potential front end guys. So I think when we talk in terms of a stud pitching prospect, I think it's it's those younger guys in Baumler and Pinto that have a greater chance to rise up the ranks with solid, healthy performances. And the big thing with, with Baumler is he's got to stay on the field. Yeah, recovered from Tommy John, hasn't had a lot of mound time, and so you know we want to see him stay healthy. Should be full go
1: go for him this year though. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything about a setback. He got a little bit of time last year. I think he did towards the end of the season. Yeah, um, I would Fifth expect round pick
0: right behind Kobe Mayo.
1: Yeah, and they gave him a lot of money to not go to um, to not go to college. So uh, I look at him as somebody who I think he's going to be uh, take the reins off of him this year. I mean, obviously there'll be a limit for him, but. He's going to be able to pitch as much as his body allows him.
0: For sure. All right. Let's get into the starting rotation. We've we've touched on a couple of these guys. Kyle Gibson, Cole Urban, Dean Kramer have each allowed one run in five innings of work, two walks and ten strikeouts between the three of those guys. Kramer now gone to pitch with Team Israel, as we mentioned before. Grayson Rodriguez got into some trouble in the fourth inning today. That elevated his ERA up to 357, I think I saw. No, it's about Sorry, five 587. I got my yeah. numbers mixed up. 587. But uh, aside from that that rough inning today, he's been very solid. He said today after his start that his stuff was the best it's been all spring. And he said th- – this this quote was interesting to me because it sounds like a very veteran mindset for a pitcher. He said he, he got hurt – and this isn't a direct quote. He said he got hurt by trying to throw strikes instead of just doing it, which feels to me like something you'd expect a Max Scherzer to say after a bad outing. Not, yeah. not a, a – 20 what is he 23 year old pitching prospect
1: yeah man I, I love that you just said that because i didn't actually get to see that quote i was it's um my, it was my wife's uh dad's birthday the other day and so we went out to celebrate that with him today so i i got to see the line i saw the first three innings nine innings uh nine nine up uh i'm sorry nine of the 10 batters he faced in the first three innings he retired he had six strikeouts just the one hit and no walks and then the fourth inning, he kind of fell apart. Nathan Ruiz was tweeting out that he got hurt by a lot of—he got nickled and died. He got, he got hit, hurt by a lot of weak contact and a couple of walks. Um, I love that he said he got hurt by trying to throw strikes instead of just doing it. And I always feel stupid when I compare myself, but I'm just going by my own experience. I pitch, and it's not—it'll it, never—it's never even been remotely close to what Grayson Rodriguez was able to do when he was in like middle school. Right. But right. I, I, I pitch and I know that when I start to get into a jam and I start to try to throw strikes and I try to pinpoint and all that, I, I try to aim instead of just pitch. because That's essentially what he said. Right. He's trying to aim. He's aiming instead of instead of pitching. He's throwing instead of pitching uh, in that situation. That's when you start to get hurt more instead of just trusting your stuff and pitching your game and knowing that you can do it. You're, you're trying. It, it, there's such a thing as trying too hard. And I love that he said that like you said it sounds like a veteran.
0: Yeah, the the full the full tweet also from Nathan Ruiz Grayson Rodriguez said his struggles in the fourth inning were from quote trying to throw strikes unquote rather than just doing it. He said his changeup wasn't in the strike zone enough in that frame to get hitters to chase it. He said his stuff otherwise was the most crisp it's been. Yeah. Which is an encouraging thing to hear. Uh, Kyle Bradish pitched 9 innings this spring so far, just 2 earned runs on a pair of solo home runs, 12 strikeouts. He looks good, man. Kyle Bradish. Kyle, Kyle Bradish looks like a dude. What do you
1: think? I was saying this about him last year when he was going out there. He had a six-start stretch where he went where four times in those six starts. He went seven innings or more, two hits or less, and he was an absolute stud. And I was like, this guy looks like he has the makings of an ace. And I was saying towards the end of the year, you can justify having him be your opening day starter next year. Now, that's not going to be the case this year. I think it's either going to be Dean Kramer or Kyle Gibson. Um, but man, he looks good. Kyle Bradish looks so good, and Matt Blood. When I, I talked to him on one show, and you heard him on a, on a couple other shows, he held Kyle Bradish at the, in the same level at the same level as DL Hall and Grace Rodriguez. He put that he put those three pitchers all in the same conversation. Kyle Bradish has shown us that when he's on, he's nearly unhittable, and that's what he's looked like this spring. He's been very good, and it's something that we should be one hundred percent excited about.
0: I'm pumped. I love Kyle Bradish. I, I hope he he continues on this trajectory. Uh so those are the five guys, Gibson, Irvin, Kramer, Rodriguez, and Bradish, that at this point I think we all expect to be the opening day rotation, assuming the Orioles go with, with five guys in that mm-hmm. run. Tyler Wells and Austin both have been less than desirable. I think those are your words. Uh the former allowing four earned runs in four and two-thirds innings across two starts, the latter seven earned in seven and two thirds, covering three appearances probably end up seeing both of those guys in the bullpen. I'm not sure either of them is firmly in the starter discussion at this point. Now things happen. uh Things change injuries uh guys slotted in different roles. Are Wells and Voth destined for the bullpen at this point? Do you think? I think,
1: I think they are. I, I think that they are. Um I, I thought that Wells, I think that I thought that they had a really uphill climb to begin with, even before guys started pitching. I, I think that the, five starters who we are projecting to be their five starters are the same five guys we are projecting to be their five starters when they got to spring training and nothing about that has yeah. changed wells um he got hit around a little bit his first outing and then the last two outings he's been a lot better uh both has not looked good um at any point no. this spring um which Again, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt because he was so good for such a long stretch last year for the Orioles that you kind of think that maybe he's one of those guys who's just kind of uh, working on things right now, trying to get his arm in the best shape possible for the, for the season. Um, but I think they both end up in the bullpen, especially with Wells' propensity for the back end, um, what, what he showed he can do in the back end two years ago. With Kate with yeah. missing time, Wells makes a lot of sense at the back end of the bullpen to start the year.
0: I agree completely. I I loved Wells in that back end bullpen role. And I think that's the best chance for him to succeed on this Mm -hmm. team. Uh, A few outsiders looking in Bruce Zimmerman has allowed, or has seven strikeouts in eight innings, given up four runs so far. Great, but not not great, but not bad. Uh, Spencer Watkins, another outsider looking in has allowed just one earned run in five innings pitched covering two appearances. And then probably not, Remotely a rotation candidate, but Keegan Aiken five scoreless innings so far. Good to see from him. I forgot to mention him in the in the bullpen guys, but he's been solid as well. So Zimmerman and Watkins probably AAA guys at this point. Yeah, uh,
1: um, Zimmerman, I think for beyond the shadow of a doubt, he was really good the other day. He came in and went three scoreless. Uh, with, with, with I think he had like three or five strikeouts, something like that. Spencer Watkins has been really good. He's got nobody really talking about because he's Spencer Watkins, but he's been really good this spring, like you mentioned. He's getting a start tomorrow. Um, I think he's going against Atlanta's team, but I couldn't. No, I think maybe that's Gibson going against Atlanta. So whoever the Orioles have a split squad game tomorrow. <clears throat> and I know that, that Spencer Watkins is starting one of those. Um, look, I, I think that both of those guys end up being in Norfolk's bullpen. And, bullpen Norfolk's rotation, but I think they're only a phone call away. That, obviously, they're only a phone call away. And again, it's a good problem to have for now. The Orioles team is so deep. That you have guys who, beyond the shadow of a doubt, if this was a year back, they would be firmly in the starting rotation conversation. And now, they're, despite pitching well, they're on the outside looking in.
0: Yeah, you, you're correct. Watkins is going against the Braves tomorrow. It'll be Kyle Gibson uh, at Ed Smith Stadium against the Detroit Tigers. Gotcha. We have uh, about 43 minutes in here. Do we have time, do you think, to uh, to keep talking? Because we haven't even touched on the offense yet.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about the offense. Might as well. Right.
0: Let's do it. Uh, Austin Hayes hitting three thirteen with a pair of three run bombs. Good old Earl Weevils, Earl Weaver special. I didn't realize that was a tongue twister until just now. Oh, Small Beaver. sample, but is Austin Hayes going to be a dude again? What do you think?
1: Look, man, I think it's very clear that he was playing hurt last year. The confidence that Austin Hayes plays with the, the streaks that he goes on. He's always been a streaky hitter, right? Uh, the, He wasn't even that last year. The first three months, he was really good. We're talking April and May, over 290 batting average, over 350 on base percentage. Those numbers all dropped down in June, but June was his most productive month. He had more home runs and RBIs that month than any other month of the year. And then he got hurt, and he didn't miss time, but he kept getting hit on the wrist because he stands so damn close to the plate. His hand got spiked. He uh, jarred himself a little bit, making a diving play out in Seattle. Um, or maybe it was in, in against the Cubs. I can't remember where it was, but he made a diving play in right field where he got kind of like his cage rattled a little bit. And he just played through it to his detriment and a little bit to the team's detriment. He was not the same guy that we've ever seen from July on. Do I think he's that player? No. Uh, I think he's probably closer to the player we saw the first three months, but this, the story with Austin Hayes is what it's always been. Great player when you're healthy and on the field. When you're not, you're not. It, and to me, this is his last chance. It's yeah. crazy because it doesn't feel like he's been around that long, but he's been in, he's been around for six years now. And this is a guy that we had all a, a lot of hope for, and we've seen it in glimpses. Sometimes bigger than glimpses. You gotta stay on the field. And if you're hurt and you need time off, you need to let somebody know because you being in that lineup was hurting the Orioles the last three months of the year. It's a big. It's a make or break season for Austin Hayes. Yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, Austin Hayes, the second longest tenured Oriole. He debuted three months after Anthony Santander in 2017, I want to say. So I think at this point, I look, I don't know who Austin Hayes is as a player. I really don't. Um, But it's time to stop talking about him as what he's capable of doing and start talking about him as what is he doing for us. Mm -hmm. And he has to prove that he's closer to the hitter he was at the beginning of last season as opposed to the second half, because he was a massive liable. handcuff, yeah, liability to the lineup for the second half of the season, and, and it all—he hit for the cycle against the Nationals. We were talking about him as an all-star snub because he wasn't even top twenty in voting, and then you know shortly after that, kind of started to fall off a cliff.
1: Well, yeah, and and that's what what you also have to realize is I don't know how much you've seen of Kyle Stowers. I've seen enough of him this spring. To notice it, it looks like his swing is shorter. It, it looks like he's getting to the to the to pitches a lot more quickly. He's having a good spring. Colton Calzer is going to be knocking on the door here soon. Um, Austin Hayes has people coming up coming up on his tail pretty pretty quickly. So I'm hoping that lights a fire because I think that Austin Hayes at his best is a really really good player on a really good team. He's just not at his best long enough, and that's mainly because of health.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, and with that awful competition, I, Stowers, I, I tweeted this, I think, last week from my from my O's account. Stowers is an everyday player, and I cannot be convinced otherwise. Mm-hmm. I want to see him in the lineup every day. If that's at the expense of Austin Hayes, so be it. With Mullins away from the team participating in the World Baseball Classic, it opens up a lot of playing time for these other guys. Austin Hayes got to start in center field today. He's going to have Colton Kowser. I think Kowser came in for him as a, as a replacement. Heston Kerstad is hitting the cover off the ball in spring. He's 9 for 20 with a pair of home runs. We're not going to see Heston Kerstad this year. But you might. Another, I you mean, might. you could. He could be a, a second-half guy. Year,
1: yeah, I mean, if he, if he is still looking, uh, he's not going to hit 545, right? But if he's right. down there hitting 300 with 20 home runs, between Bowie and then he and then he gets up to to A at some point, he could pull a Gunnar Henderson and put himself in the Orioles' plans, uh, despite what they were thinking. You know, he could be. And and he, Kouser
0: another Kouser, another guy who's knocking on the door. He he hasn't had a great spring, but uh, that opposite field home run he hit last week. Did you see that? I that did. Was, and, it was a beautiful swing,
1: and it, and not, it wasn't David. That, that ball was absolutely crushed.
0: Yeah. Absolutely crushed. Opposite field, into the wind, I think it was, like you said, and it cleared the uh it cleared the row of seats, went to the picnic area out in left field. Mm-hmm. A, a beautiful swing from from Colton Kowser. So it's exciting
1: to see from him. Ryan uh, McKenna, even in spring training, is fan for- like every damn day. I forgot yeah. about Ryan McKenna. He is yeah, it's easy because he's not that good, man. But Brandon Hyde loves him. He like he plays every day and it's spring training. Yeah. And and he's hitting still in like the top six in the order. I don't even that dude's gonna be on the opening day roster and it'll never make sense to me. I get it. That he's a good defensive outfielder. I get that. Is he so good that you can justify that he's not a good hitter at all? No. Like Yeah, he's gonna turn into my he's gonna be my 2023 roof netto door you watch
0: there's there's three guys with more spring training at bats than ryan mckenna josh lester kyle stowers and jordan westberg two of those i'm fine with yeah uh yeah it's i mean i understand you're you're getting more playing time for guys that aren't solidified regulars on your major league roster but yeah i i I, i'm 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 done with the mckenna experiment like I, I i just yeah
1: he's he is who he is which is a good out a good defensive outfielder that doesn't hit.
0: But, but, to his credit, he hits very well against lefties. That's
1: that's, yeah, but he did, that's an he,
0: actual split. But he hit really yeah, well
1: against lefties last year for like a six week stretch, which really inflated his numbers because before he entered that stretch, he was hitting like two hundred against them.
0: Okay. I see I didn't realize that. I just looked at the full season. Uh so thank you for bringing me back to earth on that one. Yeah, McKenna, I I mean I I think right now he's our sixth outfielder.
1: He's gonna be on the think... opening day roster. He's going He's... to be.
0: Yeah. I, I, no, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, speaking of Rugnet hit two bombs for the Padres today. <laughs> of course <laughs> so he did. There's
1: probably a game tying home run after an error of his. Uh let them tie the game or let them take the lead. It's probably a game tying home run and a walk-off home run in extras or something.
0: Okay, let me see here. Uh oh, it's split squad, so I have to look at two different box scores. All right, there's Odor. Uh he was the number three hitter for the Padres. Clearly the Padres B team today. Mm-hmm. Uh, two home runs. They came in the third inning and the seventh inning. And it does not look like he made an error. So Okay. Uh, yeah, that would not been quite pretty, the full Rugnetador experience.
1: That would have been pretty damn specific, but I'll bet that that, that that home run in the seventh inning either tied the ball game or gave them the lead. It's
0: it, they were up three to two. It was a solo shot. So it extended their lead. I mean, in a big spot for sure. Yeah. Um, that yeah.
1: Outdoor, man. God bless him.
0: I uh, can't can't get rid of him. <laughs> and I love the Padres, man. They're my national league team. And now, I, now I, I might have to watch him over there this year. Uh, okay. Who else do we have? Adley Rushman had a grand slam on Sunday. He's now slashing 333, 440, 619, slugging in 25 plate appearances. That's just business as usual for him. He's gonna be a top, ta- he's gonna be an to MVP two in Adley Rushman
1: discussion. He's going to be an MVP I can see finalist. It. He's, good. he's so good.
0: I could absolutely see it. Uh, Taron Viver has been banged up, but he has been raking as well. Uh, uh, Connor Norby, Joey Ortiz have been impressive. Ortiz is in concussion protocol after taking a bad hop off the head during infield mm-hmm. drills. So he's been out of lineup for a couple of days. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. I mentioned Kirstad. Uh, Ryan Malcastle has seven hits this spring. Six of those have gone for extra bases. He's got four doubles, a triple, a home run. No walks, but just three strikeouts. I think Mountcastle is poised for a huge season. His contact stats from last year suggest the same.
1: Mm-hmm. It's another dude who's a dude. He is he might be the most important offensive piece for this team this year. He the, the the success of this team might just hinge on his season. And I think that they're gonna be good regardless. But if Ryan Mountcastle finally is the player that we saw him be all throughout the minor leagues. Uh, if if he's a guy that hits 280 with 30 home runs and drives in close to 100 that you can put in the middle of your order, that is so huge for this ball club. And I I, I don't think that I'm wrong when I say that. I really do believe that that wall last year got in his head. I think that wall abs- – because, look, you got to hit the ball 400 feet just to have a shot at getting it over that wall, unless you pull it directly down the line. When Mountcastle is at his best, he's going pole to pole, and he's got power to all fields. When he's driving the ball, and we used to say this about Chris Davis, I think he's a far better overall hitter than Chris Davis could ever dream of being. And if Ryan Mountcastle is going pole to pole with with his spray chart, that's the best possible thing for the Orioles. He's got a he's got a few extra base of a, a few base hits this spring to the opposite field. I am really excited for him. I think he's maybe the biggest X factor for this team this year.
0: Backup first baseman, Paul. We have Anthony Santander, who's had some playing time there. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, and and Taron has has I think taken some drills at the first base as well. Doesn't have the size to play first base, but you never know. Uh, there is a potential backup first base job available Mm -hmm. and the main three guys competing for that role are ryan o'hearn franchi cordero and lewin diaz all three of those guys have homered this spring they all have an ops over a thousand o'hearn and cordero are both hitting in the 470s do any of those three make the team as a backup first baseman do the orioles need a backup first baseman if they're going to have Anthony Santander available to play there, Adley Rutschman, James McCann could potentially get some time at first base as well. Do the Orioles have an open spot on the roster for a backup first baseman? And do you have a preference between those three guys?
1: Um, somebody that you left out is Josh Lester. He's, um, he's been who, solid too. He can also play play um, third base. He's slashing 333, 385, 375 with a 760 OPS. Doesn't have any home runs right now, but that's a guy who in four in his last four minor league seasons has averaged 25 home runs a year. Uh he hit he's hit 61 the last two years. Uh so Josh Lester, I think, is another guy who is firmly uh cementing himself in the middle of that in that competition. Leyland Diaz, the fact that he's having a good spring combined with his defense gives him the leg up, in my opinion. Um, but it could be any, there's only one of those guys is gonna make it. Only yeah. only one of those guys is gonna make it. They all have good power. They all can play okay defense, I guess. Um, Ryan O'Hearn has the most major league success of the four. But I, I'm I'm gonna say it's Leywin Diaz. They showed how much that they how much they wanted him by they they claimed and DFA'd him like three or four times this this uh offseason. with his defense, if he, if he's hitting this spring like he has been. He's the guy, in my opinion. I, I, I
0: think so, too. I think Eileen lean Diaz. Uh, O'Hearn's making it tough, though. He He's mm-hmm. looking real good this spring. And he, he's he's talked to reporters, too, about how he feels like the shift ban has helped him drastically. And we're seeing that with his results so far in the spring. Um, and you talk about the Major League experience. He's he's a guy I could see sticking. I, I, I don't know, Paul, though, that I want to carry a backup for his baseman. I kind of he- feel like you, you have Mountcastle play 150 games there and you spell him with keeping Adley in the lineup. When you want McCann behind the plate, throwing Santan there over at first a couple times. I, I'm not sure I want any of these, these four guys to make the team, but if they do it's for me, I think it's, it's O'Hern or Diaz, but I mean, Franchi's a lot of fun too. He, he hits some bombs. The heat, I don't, I don't know the
1: baseball man. It Look, I'm kind of with you on that one where I don't necessarily think you need one of these guys, especially when they, they, when they saw, when they traded for McCann, they said, look, he's going to get time at first base. They said that Rutschman's going to get time at first base. I did find it interesting that some of these guys like O'Hearn and, uh, and Lester and those guys were getting some time in the outfield this spring too. They're going to find spot. None of these these guys, the guys that aren't on the major league roster to start the year, they're going to find ways to play them all in the lineup every day at Norfolk. And if they're raking down there and they get an opportunity, it's, again, another good problem to have, man, where we yeah. would have been talking about all four of these guys as being roster locks maybe as recently as last year. And now it's like we're not sure that we even want any of them. It's, it's an awesome problem to have.
0: For sure. Uh, all right, a little more of the left side of the infield. Gunnar Henderson, one for 19 at the plate, struggling to start the spring. His defense has been stellar. Is there any level of concern with Gunnar Henderson and his slow offensive start? For me, there's not. It,
1: in the long run, no. Um, right now, maybe a little bit, just because it, he only has that one month, like basically five weeks of um, big league experience. I trust his workout regimen, his makeup, the kind of player he's shown to be, uh, I think he will be, that whatever funk he's in, he'll break out of it. I remember in 2006, Nick Markakis swung his way onto the Orioles opening day roster in spring training that year. And he was hitting below 200, like well into June. He ended that year hitting 291. He had a three-homer game against Minnesota um, in his rookie season. Uh, some of these guys, they can hit. They just kind of get off the slow starts for whatever reason. Right now, just because I think maybe the league knows how to pitch to him a little bit, or maybe he's putting too much pressure on himself. Ultimately, I, th- I think it's much to much do about nothing. I-, I think
0: so, too. Uh, Nick Marcakis, by the way, that three-homer game against Minnesota – was uh, exactly one year to the day before the 30 to 3 blowout loss to the Texas Rangers. Ugh. August I had 22nd. Speak that one in there. I had to oh, look. August 22nd, I don't remember uh, exactly all of the year's significance, but I, I tweeted something a couple years ago with like the last 10 August 22nds in Orioles history. And they were all like oddly significant for one for some reason or another. I'll have to dig that up and, and share it next time. But um, Ramona Rios, speaking of slow starts, one for fifteen to begin the spring w- with with the Orioles crowded infield and not a lot of jobs there available. I think he's likely playing for more of a utility role. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's any risk at all of a player like Ramona Rios not making
1: the team? No. After winning a gold glove. Do, you, th- do no. you think there's no risk at all? You don't think? No, no, he's on the team. He's, he, he's on the team. There's not a chance in the world that he's not going to be on this team unless he's hurt. Um, or he's traded, which I am yeah. not rolling out. I'm not rolling out him being traded and I'm not rolling out Mateo being traded. Like, look, I would love to both, see one
0: of those two happen.
1: Both, both of those guys are, were three and a half win players last year and they play elite defense. Um, I, I, I'm still on the boat that Adam Frazier was an unnecessary sign um, for, for this team because ultimately I think Jordan Westbrook and Connor Norby can be better players than him and they're younger and they're, they didn't cost you, eight, they don't cost you $8 million uh, for, an, for an unnecessary player. Not that I think $8 million is a lot of money, but if you're in this sense where we're not adding big to the payroll and you gave Adam Frazier $8 million for literally no reason. Uh, to me, you could have just put Ramon over there. We could have started the year with Norby or with Westberg. I think all those guys are better than Frazier at this point, or at least I think that they will be. I think they definitely yeah. have higher ceilings at this point. Upside-wise, for sure. Yeah, for, for sure. And look, the Dodgers need an infielder. I think the Brewers need an infielder, especially because I think Ramon's brother isn't – I think he's hurt. Isn't he hurt? I don't look, know
0: if um, he's hurt, but he's just Milwaukee.
1: Yeah. Um, look, the, the, they – there are teams out there that need infield help, and you can justify trading them if you get the right return. So it, it, if it's based on performance alone, there's not a shot that Ramona Arias isn't on, on this team. But yeah, we'll see how I, it goes.
0: I, I have to agree. I, I The Fraser signing for me, not completely unnecessary, but it wasn't a good allocation of that $8 million, I don't think.
1: Yeah. I understand when, why
0: they did it. But. Yeah, I get. And look, I think the ideal scenario for me this year is Kyle Gibson and Adam Frazier are both good enough that they can be flipped at the deadline mm-hmm. around the same time that we're going to see John Means come back from injury. One of Westberg, Norby, or Ortiz ready to get legitimate playing time in the majors. And the Orioles can effectively sell at the deadline with better pieces ready to put into those spots. Yeah. I think that would be the ideal situation for the Orioles to be in. Uh, Arias is going to make the team. Mateo is going to make the team too valuable, especially on the defensive side of the ball, uh, which brings me to a fan question or a listener question. Have we outgrown the need for Jorge Mateo with Gunner showing this spring that he can be a great defensive shortstop? I, I've, I outgrew my need for Jorge mateo around the middle of last season uh, I, I i don't know man I, I i don't know how you can justify having mateo play shortstop every day when you have gunner there and i'm fine with gunner playing third i'm fine with gunner playing third but then you're keeping another gold glover in ramona Rios out of the lineup a gold glover with a, a higher a better bat than mateo not mm-hmm. as much speed of course but look i i as before, I, you I would talk about Joey see, Ortiz. Yeah, yeah, and Ortiz is is a potential gold glover at shortstop, potential platinum glover at shortstop. I, I, I think bet. they should have traded Mateo two months ago. I really do. Yeah, because I, I think he's. Go- I think have, he's going to hurt the team offensively more than he's going to help defensively.
1: The fact that he doesn't try to bunt for a base hit once a game blows my mind. It, with with his speed and his lack of bat to ball skills, he should be an elite bunter. He should be yes. an elite bunter. And he just never tries it. Um once in a blue moon, you'll see him try to leg one down. I look at Mateo. And Mateo is one of those players, man, that that Baltimore fans just fall in love with. Like Baltimore fans are in love with Jorge Mateo, and I like him. He's exciting, right? He's an electrifying yeah, sure. player. He's so damn fast, and he gets the balls. That, and that's why he's such a good defender is he gets the balls that nobody else can get to. But he cannot hit. You were on the bat around with me when we had Keith Law on, and Keith Law said he is the worst hitting position player in baseball. Yeah. He's the worst hitting everyday player in baseball. He had a he had two twenty one with a two sixty seven on base percentage last year 267 should be his batting average and he's yeah. getting on base of the 267 clip and he's still let the American League in on bases now if Jorge Mateo goes out there this year and hits 240 and gets on base at a 300 clip all right with the defense and the ability to steal all those bags especially now because with the pickoff rolls and the bigger bases all right cool man but if you're gonna hit 210 and get on base at a 250 clip you can't play for me
0: absolutely and uh, look. I think another one reason that fans love Mateo is that ability to steal bases. I mean, there's there aren't a lot of plays in baseball that are more exciting to me, at least, than a stolen base. I think it's fun, it's entertaining, it's electrifying. You know how many times you know you know how many bases Jorge Mateo would steal if he could get on base thirty percent of the time?
1: You can't steal second if you can't get on first.
0: Exactly, exactly, and that's the big issue with Mateo. Yeah, he steals bases. Yeah, he's fast. Yeah, he's exciting. Yeah, he brings a certain flair to the game. That, that the Orioles maybe have been missing for a while. But he doesn't get on ba- – you need – he's your starting shortstop. You're a team that expects to make the playoffs this year. He cannot be your everyday shortstop if he's going to put up the same offensive numbers that he did last year. He he's just a, he's,
1: can't. He's an automatic out. He's an automatic out. Yeah.
0: Okay. I think that brings us to the – oh, okay. There's one more thing to talk about here. The Nationals signed Kiber Ruiz, their catching prospect. I guess he's their catcher now, but uh, was a top-catching prospect to an eight-year $50 million extension with club options for 2031 and 2032. The Arizona Diamondbacks signed Corbin Carroll, the only name that's being mentioned with Gunnar Henderson as the top prospect in baseball, to an eight-year $111 million extension with a $28 million club option for 2031 with a $5 million buyout, which makes that effectively... $23 million club option. The Orioles have a lot of young studs, Paul. They got Adley Rutschman who's made his debut. He's in a similar boat to Kieber Ruiz with, I think way more potential. Gunnar Henderson is right up there with, with Corbin Carroll among the the game's top prospects. Is it time for the Orioles to start putting pen to paper and keeping these guys where they are? We're seeing more and more of these deals like Kieber Ruiz, like Corbin Carroll, We saw it with the the White Sox with Luis Robert before he made his debut. We saw it with the Rays and Wander Franco. The Atlanta Braves have done it with most of their core, signing these guys to team-friendly but fair extensions before they hit arbitration. Is it time for the Orioles to start doing the same? Because if they don't, I think they're going to start to lose some of these guys to free agency.
1: I think what you're really failing to consider here with regards to signing these guys to these extensions, is if the Orioles sign Gunner and Grayson and Adley in no particular order to these long-term extensions, how are they ever going to afford to fill Camden Yards in July of 2024 for an Elvis Costello concert? <laughs> how are they ever going to be able to to afford that? I thought you, you were going to give and, me a hard time about something there. And, and and you you heard John Angelos priority number one, yeah, is getting those concerts into Camden Yards priority number and, one yeah and not, priority not two winning is, not locking up your your star players winning it's, wasn't yeah. even priority two it's it's right priority it was two community, was community out- outreach <laughs> right which by the way those other things happen when your team's winning baseball winning baseball was 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 number three for him um no let's focus on getting Bruce Springsteen in the e street band who Zach Goodman is in love with by the way. Right. Um, or, or bringing <laughs> Billy Joel in with now, now with Stevie Nicks, let's get, let's get them in here, you know, screw Gunner and Adley and, and, and Grayson. Yes. The time is now to sign these guys. The fact that Adley Rutschman doesn't already have a contract extension is mind boggling. This might be the only team in baseball that wouldn't have him locked up by now. He's going to be an MVP candidate this year. He had a 5.2 win, a uh, uh, war as a rookie and he missed the first month and a half of the season. He, he, he had is, the second
0: best war in baseball below Aaron judge after his debut or mm-hmm. after what, well, after like a couple weeks into his debut.
1: Yeah, because he's the best. He's he and JT Real Muto, And the only reason Real Muto is above him right now is because he's done it for a long time. Uh, yeah. uh, he's the best catcher in the American league. And if not baseball, he should have been locked up this off season. Uh, uh Gunner, I, I can understand it not, not having happened yet because he, had, he has such a small sample size. And Grayson, he's got to do it first. But, man, those are three guys that thats that should be priority number one is getting those guys locked up, especially Adley. I have zero confidence they're going to do it. I have zero confidence that they're going to do it. One of them might get signed, but – the, my biggest fear, man, is that the Orioles, it's like, please go win a World Series in the next five years because your core, you're going to have to have a brand new core right after this because you're not going to, these guys are all going to leave in free agency. That's
0: the the danger and the, the scary part of it. Uh, on the subject, one final fan question before we leave. I keep going them fan questions. I don't know if we have fans, but we have listeners. They're fans. They're
1: listening to the show. They might as They're well fans. be fans. They're your fans. I, I'm just here. <laughs> they 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 are here for you man i'm just i'm just like a side dish yeah no they they're our fans
0: uh those fans are clamoring for peter angelos to sell the team but a new owner may mean a new front office would you rather have angelos uh continue running the team and keep elias around in other words keep things as they are now or angelos sells the team but we get a new front office with it and they are the equivalent of the worst front office in O's history. To me, that's an easy answer.
1: The worst front office in O's history.
0: Yeah.
1: then, Then you keep it status quo. That's pretty, I think that's pretty extreme. That's, that's really extreme. I'm, that is the only scenario where I'm not a fan of them selling the team. Yeah. Because honestly, I think if they sell the team, a new owner comes in here that wants to win and they say, Hey, you know what? Let's. The first thing we're doing is is locking these three our three studs up, and then we're gonna go sign somebody to supplement this team and and make us perennial contenders. Sell the team, but not if it's gonna be Sid Thrift and uh, back up in here. Back up I, in here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I agree. I think that's a, a pretty easy answer. Uh, things as they are now are pretty good. They're yeah. pretty good. Angelo sucks. Elias is great. His staff is great. Sigma Dell. Eve Rosebaum, look, we're in we're in a good position. They are, and as much as I would love for Peter to sell the team, I don't think that's in their best interest. If it would mean a terrible front office comes along, I mean, with
1: it, it's honestly he's in no capacity to sell the team. So it would have to be John. And I, I have my own personal thoughts about John. I I like the way I like the things the team has done since he's been named the control person of the team. But the things that he said, I think he has severe foot and mouth disorder. Like, I just don't think he knows how to speak to the public. And, but some of the things that he said, man, it's, it's like, what are we doing? Please sell the team. But then actions also speak louder than words and everything that Michael Lai said, he was going to do when he got here. He's checked all those boxes to this point. So I don't know which way to lean there, but uh, I, I don't have a good feeling about the Angelos is continuing to own the team. I hope yeah. they prove me wrong. I,
0: I've, I've been saying for the last couple of years since John took over as the, you know, the the guy who's running the show now, that I think he has the best interest of the fans in mind far more than his father did. I agree with that. I, I, I still agree with that. But man, the, I, I I have no more defense for him. I, he he shows up at you know after the the whole thing with Connolly, he he shows up at spring training dressed like a freaking substitute teacher and starts talking about. He talked to reporters for like an hour and a half, and it was a whole bunch of stuff that just makes you scratch your head. Mm-hmm. And I just I I don't know, man. We we've been doing this for an hour and fifteen minutes now. We don't need to get into a whole thing about the Angelos family. As much as I would love to continue to vent my frustrations with them. Uh, I guess I guess this seems like a good spot to wrap up.
1: What yeah, do you please think? sell the team. Please sell the team. That's how I feel. Anyway. Now, I realized
0: right before we went live that the only intro and outro videos I have prepared and uploaded to StreamYard are for Orioles Podcast Feud. So uh, as much as I would love to play the Family Feud music as our outro, I'm not going to do it this time. I'm just going to say farewell uh, say a thank you to Derek and Tony at Utah Street Report for hosting the show. Thank you, Paul, for doing this with me. Thank you to uh, to you and Luke at Pressbox for bringing me on as uh, the new fantasy baseball writer over there. Again, you can check out our work at Pressbox Online, pressboxonline.com as well. And uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Give That Fan a Podcast. We'll be back next week, I guess. Outro music na 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 na